The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. I'd like to meet that guy. <laughs> you know, we, as John said, Barb and I moved up here two and a half years ago and uh, fell in love with Buckley and, and the people. And somebody asked me, why, what's different about this? What's different about you? And I said, I can be myself. You know, ministry is hard enough, but there's times when you just got to be yourself. And to sometimes my kids' chagrins and my wife's chagrin, I am becoming me. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> the last few months have been very interesting because I've done things that probably other churches I'd be fired from. And good things, okay? <laughs> um, but things that pastors normally don't do. And it's so good to come to be accepted, to be loved. And, you know, Barb teaches over there in the uh, ankle biter group. The, <laughs> call them the preschoolers. And she loves that. My big concern was you guys got much more benefit from her than you do from me. She loves those kids. They call her grandma. They just, you know, they heard our other grandkids start calling her grandma, so they just naturally called her grandma. Now they're starting to call me grandpa, which is okay, you know. I can tell you a funny little story. We, Barb, you know, knows that I was going to speak today, and she heads off to Grand Rapids or down to uh, Traverse City yesterday. I didn't know what she was doing. She said, I'll be back in a while. Well, she, she came and she came home, and she bought me some new clothes. I'm going to ask John if I can preach next week. <laughs> she she got me the, some new threads, and that's the 60 term, I know. But anyway, she she bought these new clothes, and, and I put them on, and I walked out last night with a new shirt on and stuff. And she looks at me, and she kind of smiles, and she said, well, if you bomb the sermon, you're still going to look good. <laughs> That's my wife, Barb. I love her. She's a neat lady, and we're so glad to be here. And I am so glad that I can be myself. I am. I still have my filters. Don't worry, I'm not going to swear up here, anything like that. But, uh, you know, we're talking about the evil elephant today. We've been talking about elephants all through, and, and we've talked about some pretty evil elephants already, the sex elephant we talked about that. That can be evil outside of marriage. We talked about drug and alcohol elephant. 
We've talked about a lot of different elephants, but today is evil elephant. Barb and I have seen a lot of evil in our life. We used to do some foster care, and uh, one day I get a call from uh, this our caseworker, and, and uh, he said, "Well, I got to do something a little different today. I." I want you to go to this house in Grand Rapids and pick up these kids. I'll meet you there. So we go down to Grand Rapids and we drive up to this house. We walk in the house and mom is in the corner sucking her thumb with a towel wrapped around her neck, totally spaced, totally gone. Grandma is trying to put some things together for the little kids. And this little girl, uh, Ashley and Jasmine, Jasmine was the older one and Ashley was the younger one, and Ashley was a little ball of fire, just the cutest little thing, you know, and always smiling, always running where she, wherever she went, but and Jasmine was a little bit older. But anyway, we walk into this situation, and the reason we had to come and pick up these kids, it was in February, the kids had been held ransom by a drug lord. They found these kids standing on grandma's front porch in February in Michigan with just underwear on. Get that picture? Here's these two little African-American kids that all of a sudden find themselves yanked out of whatever they call normal, brought out to the little town of Lowell, you know, seven acres, evil. Evil raises its ugly head all the time. And our question today is, why does God permit evil? Why does this happen? We... uh, we all know where evil got started. It was in Genesis chapter 2. And, uh, well, actually in chapter 1, he, he made a lot of things and created man. And, and, and in the chapter 2, he places them in the garden. And uh, he said, you can eat of every tree in the garden that you want, except for one in the middle, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, Adam knew good. Because he had walked with God. He knew God. He didn't know evil yet. But see, we have free will. We have the best of both worlds. We can pick and choose what we do. Adam had that same choice. God created Eve. And you know the story. What happened was Eve went to the tree and took Adam with her. And they ate of it. And they, the Lord said, the day you eat of it, you will die. That day, they begin to die, this evil. But I love free will. I'm glad I'm not a robot. I'm glad that my kids choose to love me. I don't make them do that. I'm glad that I can love God and he give me the opportunity to choose him or not choose him, and I can love him and have a relationship with him. That is so cool, this free will that we have. But evil, 
When you think about evil, evil has to be attached to something. Evil is not a thing. Evil has to attach itself to something. You know, you, you think of a, a car that gets rust. If there was no metal, there would be no rust. You think of cancer. If there is no living cells, there would be no cancer. Evil has to attach itself to something. It cannot exist on its own. Alzheimer's is a terrible disease. It has to be attached to your brain. Evil. And I still haven't answered the question of why, have I? Why does God permit evil? Well, there's a story, and I read about, uh, if you've lived in the, the ghetto at all, in the Christian ghetto, you know about Johnny Erickson Tata. A 17-year-old girl who went swimming with her friends, and she dove into the water. She hit her head on the bottom of the lake, and it broke her neck, and she's a quadriplegic. From that day forward, she was in a wheelchair. And it's been 50 years since that accident. And she wrote this article, and it was fascinating. Here's a young girl in the prime of her life, 17 years old, finds herself in a wheelchair, and she's going to be that way for the rest of her life. She she can't even rub her nose. Can you imagine that? She got angry at God. She said that she used to take her, wheel, her power wheelchair and just ram it into the wall and ram it into the wall and ram it into the wall. She wanted to die. She covered her pain by drinking. Well, her friends got together and they started a Bible study with her. And slowly on, she started to realize that God was in control. This evil thing that had happened, God was going to use. In this article, she writes this comment. God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. It's been 50 years. That shows remarkable maturity. She went on to say in this article that I would rather be these 50 years in this chair and know God the way that I do than to have a whole body and not understand God like I do. You know, sometimes God uses evil. He allows evil. He doesn't use it. He allows evil in our life. And we wonder why. We walk through things. We see things that happen and we just... Why, God? Why? Well, over in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. I'm going to read this for you, and then there's, we're going to pull out a couple, three words in here. Therefore, now, when you, 
When you read therefore in the scripture, you've got to ask what it's there for. And chapter 11 is, is our hero's chapter or our faith chapter. It talks about all the heroes of the faith that have gone on before us, you know, and how the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. And, you know, it just gives kind of a chronological order of the men who served God faithfully. And so it says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Let's just set aside. You know, they're, they're thinking about runners here. Let us run. And the runners used to, kind of gross, but these long distance runners would be totally naked. They would just lay aside everything everything so they could run that race and so when sin so easily slows us down it weights us down and sin which clings so deeply and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggles against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. The words we're looking at here is endure. How do you conquer evil you endure how do you endure you endure plain and simple you know normally it starts out with little things you have to endure but God teaches you to endure you, he teaches you that in order to get through these evil things you got to endure Johnny Eric Stata endured these 50 years of being in a wheelchair. In the prime of her life, she was put in that chair. The last few years, she's battled cancer. Doesn't it seem like you'd finally throw your arms up in the air and say, stop! But you endure. How do you endure? You endure. It's a learned process. Well, I got a couple points for us. You know, evil's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. One time or another, evil is going to raise its ugly head and we're going to face it head on. If you haven't yet, get ready. You're going to. You're going to encounter evil. I know some people here today are, are really struggling with this thing of evil. Why does God permit evil? What's the purpose of this? Well, there's another verse in the Bible, Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The band sung that in the song. You know, there's times when you use that verse, and there's probably times that you probably should rethink using it. You know, we been to a lot of funerals and I've stood at the casket of loved ones 
And I've had people come up to me and say, well, you know, God works everything out for good. I felt like punching them in the nose. Because I didn't want to hear that verse. This is a verse that you learn. You don't quote. And you wait a little while for those people to walk through this and endure for a while. And then eventually they can, if you're close enough to them, they'll come to you and they can say, you know, God does work everything for good to those who love him. But you let them tell you. And then it's always fun for me because I just say, how'd that happen? How did you get to this point? And it always says, they always come up, well, you know, it was hard. It was a struggle. We had to persevere. We had to endure. We had to set our focus on getting through this and walking through this. Sometimes it took counseling. Sometimes it took a lot of different things. But God allowed this verse to come true in my life. And that's when that verse really means something. It's you personally. You learn this verse. But yet God allows evil. And God can use evil in my life. I got a couple, four points here that I'd just like to share with you. The first thing is evil makes me listen. When evil happens in my life, it makes me listen. Because the first thing that I do when evil happens is I stop and I listen Because there's nothing I can do. I have to listen to God. When things are going great, we all tend to go from one thing to another to another. And we fill up our schedules with good things. We just keep going, we keep going, and we leave God out. Well, sometimes God uses evil to make me listen. Barbara and I lost a child, two and a half years old. Walked out in the backyard and found him in the pool. Pulled him out, did the CPR, you know. Go down to the emergency room and the place is kind of busy and there's people going all over the place and there's beepers going off and our friends are starting to show up and and it's just kind of a chaotic situation. And I and Barb and I are sitting there just wondering, what are you doing, God? Why did you allow this evil to come into our life? You know, in that moment, God whispered something to me. Yes, he whispered this to me. Psalms 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. You're going to have to endure this. Yes, it's work, it's hard. But it makes me listen. It draws my attention to so many other things. This evil in our life. Evil grows my faith. It puts me on the path of growing my faith. See, my faith doesn't usually grow when things are going well. Does yours? You can answer me. Does yours? You know, I, I, I wish I could 
grow my faith without enduring things. But, you know, and I can. I'm in the Word every day, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to grow my faith. I'm trying. But when you walk through something like that, it grows your faith. They say pain is a megaphone. Or C.S. Lewis said pain is a megaphone that helps us listen, helps us to grow our faith. We have to trust God in these evil situations. Trust is not an easy thing for me. And I don't think it is for a lot of people. I think trust is a, is a hard thing. We're, we're so conscious. See, a lot of our thinking comes about God by what we can see, what we can feel, what we can hear. That's our concept of God, is, is this earth around us. Well, God lets evil into our lives to grow our faith. We have a choice. We have free will. We can let this happen. We can, uh, we can say, I got this on my own. I don't need you, God. You're going to fail. Evil grows my faith. Another thing is, evil contrasts my testimony. Now this is kind of different, because evil contrasts my testimony. First, you have to be a Christian in order for this to happen. Alright? You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. People got to know who you are, and what you stand for. And when evil comes into a Christian's life, They have a choice. We have free will. We can choose to honor God or we can choose to dishonor God and get mad at him. There are times when you get mad at God. I did. I let him know out in the middle of the woods what I thought of him and his plan. But I didn't let it destroy my testimony. In Schindler's List... Spielberg made this movie, and you all know it's about World War II and the Nazis and what was going on in Germany. And he did it in black and white because he wanted to show the evil that was in that time period. So he didn't put any color in there. It was all black and white, except for two occasions. One occasion there was a little girl in a red dress running away from the Nazis. If you've seen that movie, you it just it stuck out. Showed this little girl running away. You didn't see that red dress again until you saw a mass grave, and you saw just a little piece of that red dress. See, he used that to contrast that awful scene. God uses evil to contrast my testimony. So I can either, you know, I can either honor him or I can dishonor him. It's my choice. It's my free will. But we better honor him because that's why we're going through this. And if we allow God, if we allow that evil to enhance our testimony for the kingdom, that's where we need to be. Again, back to Johnny Tata, she has touched thousands of people's lives. 
because she endured through that and she's still enduring today. It doesn't go away. She's allowing that to enhance her testimony. That's what we need to do. We need to let it enhance our testimony. So when you walk through evil, those are the first three. Another one is, and I love this one, it points me to heaven. I'm a little bit older now, as you can tell. And I have more people over there all the time. I love thinking about heaven. But I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. And there's a verse in the Bible, Philippians 121. I, I learned this verse. I had a brother that was killed in Vietnam. Again, evil. That's a whole different story. But evil. And in this, in this time period, you know, I have several life verses. This was the one at the time. It was Philippians 121. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Points me to heaven. For me to live is Christ. For me to endure these evils that come into our lives is Christ. Let Christ improve our testimony. Let Christ be so evident in our lives that other people want this. But to die is gain. I love that. Death is hard. It's really hard on the people that are left behind. Right? Those in heaven, they got it knocked. They do. Hey, I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you, but I am really looking forward to that day when I get to heaven. See my brother Dennis. See our son Greg. See our daughter-in-law, Laura, or uh, Michelle. We've faced a lot of evil. You remember me uh, talking a little bit about this two girls, Jasmine and Ashley. We get them back to our house. You know the story of what they've been through. We get them back to our house and we take their little bag of clothes that they brought with them. And, and if you've done any foster care at all, you know that normally you just drop it in the trash bin when you walk by. And you go out and buy new. And here's these cute little kids. They have no idea what's going on. It's not their fault. This evil that has happened to these two little girls is not their fault. Sometimes evil happens to us that is our fault. But this is not our fault. So we're... You know, things are settling down a little bit. They're blending into the family somewhat. And they, all of a sudden, one night at supper, this Jasmine, she, she just has a fit. She's, does, it isn't a seizure or anything, but she just flops herself on the floor and starts flopping around like a fish in the bottom of the boat. And I'm sitting here, what do I do, you know? I grab her in my arms, 
I carry her off to another room. And for, it seemed like hours, but it was probably 30 minutes, I just held on to her. Tried to keep her from headbutting me and doing all that kind of stuff. She's flailing away and just screaming and yelling. And, and I know what some of you probably think. Well, why didn't you paddle her butt? Well, she doesn't know the difference between love and hate. I couldn't do that. I know the situation that she'd been through. So I held on to her. And this cycle of violence kept going. But once a week, it would cycle through. And she would throw herself on the floor. It's always at supper time. My best time of the day. (laughs) And I would gather her in my arms and I'd take her off to another room and I would hold her. This went on and on and on. Finally, she did it again one time and I did the same thing. I just gathered her up in my arms and I walked her back and I just held on to her lightly but you know tough enough that she couldn't get away after about two minutes she stops she turns around she lays her head on my shoulder and she says John I love you nobody had ever showed her love like that nobody This poor little girl is just flopping around trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out what this evil is that's come in her life and she has no control over. She put her head on my shoulder and she says, I love you, John. She never did that again. She never had that fit again. Well, when evil comes into our lives, we tend to do the same thing. We tend to flop around like a fish in the bottom of the boat. God, why did you do this? And why did you allow this? And why, why, why? God is there. God gathers us in his arms. And as long as it takes, he's going to be right there for us. He's waiting for us to endure and to learn that all things work together for good. He's waiting for us to put our head on his shoulder and say, I love you. Thank you for being there for me. So what do we do? What do we do when evil pops up in our lives? We trust. We have to trust because that's what evil is teaching us to do. Trust God. We let go. We let go of all these things that are happening in our lives. We let them go. We give them to God and we say, okay. Took Barbara and I a long time to let go of that, what we walked through. But we did. Finally got to the point where we say, okay, God, you're in control. I'm going to let go of this and see what you're going to do. When we walk through evil, that's where we need to get. And it doesn't happen overnight. Don't don't think that this is going to happen overnight. It doesn't. It takes time. It takes time in the Word. It takes time trusting Him. And we have to consciously say, I'm going to let go. We have to obey. 
We have to get into his word. We have to read his scripture. We have to obey what it says. And then the last thing we need to do, we need to endure. Endure is not an easy thing. Endure is hard. You know, we accept Christ as our Savior and we think everything is going to be hunky-dory. We're going to live a happy life of rainbows and unicorns, you know. doesn't happen, does it? When evil happens, we need to endure. Persevere. Work at it. Don't just sit around and sob. Let God do his work. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity today to share. God, I thank you that you loved us and you put these obstacles in our lives so our faith grows. Lord, I thank you that you're walking right there beside us as we endure and you're with us. Lord, I don't know the decision that these folks out here have to make today, but you do. I don't know everything that they're enduring, but I know there's a lot of people here today that are doing a lot of things. I leave them in your very capable hands. God, if they need help, may they get up to the intestinal fortitude to talk to Tim, Heidi, myself, or anybody that can help them. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.